Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, if you drive, you probably have had the experience where you're, you're driving down the road and you come to a crossroad. And there's times where you have to decide, which way do I go here? And sometimes you just don't know, right? You're like, if you're in an unfamiliar place, you go, do I go straight ahead? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? What do I do here? Like, I've had that happen. You know, if you're in a busy downtown area of a city, maybe you're not familiar with, and you're kind of like, well, what do, what do I do now? Where do I go now? I've had, I've had a few times where maybe I've been out in the country and not quite sure you get to a stop sign and maybe even a dead end. And you're like, oh, I didn't. I didn't think about this. I'm not sure where to go next. There's been times when I've had to like pull over and wait for my GPS to catch up to me. Does that make sense? Done that. A crossroad. The truth is, even in our lives, we have these crossroad moments, these times when we come to a point where we go, what do I do here? Which way do I go? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? Do I go straight ahead? How, how do I move in this moment? And life is filled with these crossroads. Some, some of these crossroads moments come to groups, individuals, organizations sometimes. Even a church will have these crossroad moments. And, and I got thinking about this, even for us as a church, in Calvary's history, there's been many times where we've come to these moments and had to say, what direction do we go? How do we, how do we move forward in this moment? Probably the, the biggest one in recent time was six years ago when the church decided to, to relocate here and about four years ago when we made the move to Conant Street. So it was a big deal, one of those crossroad moments. And I, and I honestly believe that this year ahead, 2017, actually holds some of those moments for us as a church as we look forward and, and look to the future and what God would have for us. But it's not just, it's not just organizations or, or big groups that have crossroads. You have a crossroad. Even our individual lives, we come up on these moments where we have to make a decision. What direction will I go? And the truth is, it probably happens on a daily basis to us. The choices that we make help to shape us and and cause us to have to decide, what will I do in this place? How will I move forward? It happens in the little things. It happens in the big things. What school will I go to? Who will I marry? What about kids? What job will I work? How, How will I pursue that? Will I be faithful to my commitments. Do we live here or do we live there? And it even happens in some of the most basic things. I have to decide, am I going to try? What am I going to do when I come up against temptation? How do I even believe? And each one of those things brings us to crossroad moments. And, And I think one of the things that's essential for us to see today is this. Crossroad moments give us the opportunity to sabotage our future or set ourselves up for, fa- for, for God's favor. Those crossroad moments, they're those moments that give us the opportunity either to sabotage our future or to set us up for God's favor. What do we do in those crossroad moments? If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 19 today. We're going to look at a story there that's going to help us, I think, to talk about these crossroad moments. We're going to look at one nameless character that's in this story. And we've been in the book of 1 Peter, you know, before Christmas, and then last week we jumped back in and I thought we would be back in 1 Peter again today, and we're going to get back to that in the coming weeks. But today, I just, I just had this sense from the Spirit that we needed to take a look at this passage of Scripture, and that was important for us to look at this. And, and the reality is that a lot of times when I, when I preach, I'm trying to teach something. You want to, you want to kind of take Scripture and, and exposit it and kind of help people to understand it. Today, I feel a little bit different. I feel like this message today is a word of encouragement. It might not be for everybody, 
But I trust the Lord that it's for somebody, and especially if you're here and you're at a crossroad moment, that this would be a word of encouragement for you today. Genesis chapter 19 in and of itself is not an encouraging passage of scripture. It's not the one that you probably wanna read as you're starting a new year. It's the passage that teaches us about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember that passage? Sodom and Gomorrah. There's probably, it's, it's, the, it's the classic example of a wicked place. And the truth is, we, we won't go back and read the whole chapter, but just as you read the beginning of this chapter, you understand it was a nasty place. It was filled with wickedness. And the people that were there did whatever they wanted to do. They did not have morals. They did not have standards. They just lived their lives the way that they wanted to. And at some point, even after God had given them the opportunity, I believe, to respond in a different way, God finally had to say, that's it, I'm done. It's it's curtains for Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm gonna have to, because of their wickedness, I'm gonna have to destroy them. God did that not because he's mean, not because he's unfair, he did it because he's just. And if he's a God of justice, he could not allow them to continue to live the way that they were living. Does that make sense? So God decides, I'm gonna have to wipe them out. In the midst of that, there was a guy who lived in Sodom named Lot. In fact, he's even referred to in scripture at one point as righteous Lot. Lot was a nephew to Abraham. If you remember, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, much of the book of Genesis is about Abraham. Lot was his nephew, and he was living there, and in this time when God decided he's going to wipe out Sodom, God sends two angels to Sodom to rescue Lot and his family from the destruction. In part, if you read the story, you'll see in part, I believe, because of Abraham's prayers, Lot is rescued because these angels come to him, and it's this fascinating story, and in the midst of this, there's, there's these, these actions that happen. Look at this, Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, listen to this, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. It's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Lot, family, Get out of here. Because even though you don't see it right now, there's destruction that's coming and you need to respond. You need to move. Don't look back. You need to go. And this is a pretty incredible act of God's mercy, if you think about it, that he would come and literally, even in the moment when they kind of tried to argue with him, that they would be taken by the hand by these angels and led out of the city is a pretty remarkable thing. Watch what happens next. Genesis chapter 19, verse 18. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. It's a little dramatic, isn't he? Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. And the angel, he said to him, well, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called 
Zor. And this is really interesting. We, we could take a lot of time here. There's, there's a lot of thoughts that are in this passage, even some, some prophetic things that are right there. But what's interesting is you see Lot's response, I'm just not so sure I can do it. I'm not so sure that I can make it, that I can get there. And it tells us a little about his, his character because he says, I know you're destroying the city, so is it okay if I just live in the suburbs, is basically what he said. Right, I don't wanna go all that way. It's an interesting thought. Watch what happens next, verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. And here's our focus right here, last sentence. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Interesting thing there. Our focus today is one lady, one nameless character in the Old Testament. We know her merely as Lot's wife. We don't even know her name. We could speculate that her last name might have been Morton. Some of you are the salt. Some of you are starting to... um, so some guy texted me that after the first service. So I'm just, I'm just saying what he said. Don't shoot the messenger. It's just uh, his joke, not mine. We know very little about her, right? Just that she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. If you really think of it, she's just, she's just a footnote in the bigger story of the Old Testament. Until... Luke chapter 17, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and and you can go back and read chapter 17 for yourself, but the context is this. He's saying to them, look, there's going to come a time that will be difficult. Just like in the days of Lot, there will be a time when people will rebel against God, and God will bring judgment at some point, and in the midst of that, if you are my followers, it's going to be difficult for you. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be tough times that will come. In fact, look at what he said, Luke chapter 17, verse 28. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus is saying, look, there will come a time when things will be difficult. And he was speaking this to his disciples. And we've seen some some small fulfillments of these things that he said in the church in different regions and in different seasons. And we believe it will have its, its final fulfillment in the time of the great tribulation that we read about in scripture. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And so in the same way, he's speaking to us today. And he says, look, even in the hard times, because what he says after this, and you can go back and read it for yourself, but he says, look, there will come a time when you may want to turn back and go the other way. There may come a time when it's really difficult for you and you might want to give up. And in the midst of this, he's encouraging his followers and saying, don't do it. Don't look back. Don't stop. Don't give up. And then he pauses. And almost kind of out of nowhere, he says this, Luke chapter 17, verse 32, three words, second shortest verse in the Bible, remember Lot's wife. Do you remember Lot's wife? (laughs) We just talked about her. Lady that turned to salt. In the midst of Jesus saying, look, I know it's going to be tough. I don't want you to give up. He says, remember Lot's wife. And when he said that, do you know what the people who were listening to him said? They said, oh, it's not in there. You just got to trust me. (laughs) Here's why. 
because they were Jewish people who knew the Jewish scriptures. They knew them well. And when he said those three words, he unpacked this incredible cautionary tale for them. He said so much more than just three words. He said, remember Lot's wife. Do you remember her response? Do you remember what happened to her in the midst of those difficult times when she could have been heading in a different direction? Remember Lot's wife. It meant a lot to them then, and I think it could mean a lot to us today. Let me, let me just tell you what's packed in the meaning of this. And if I had to encourage you and say it to you today, it would be this. Don't look back. I don't know where you're at in your life. You may even be at a crossroad moment today. And my challenge to you is this, don't look back. What I'm not saying is don't remember the past, because the past is a great teacher, is it not? I mean, we learn a lot from our past. When we look at the things that encompass our past as a person, when we look at history, when we think of these things, the past is a great tool. I'm not saying don't learn. I'm not saying don't remember. I'm not saying that you just kind of turn your back on what happened in the past. In fact, the whole Old Testament, the Apostle Paul says this about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. He says, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And so he says it's, it's okay to consider what happened in the past. There's a difference when we say don't look back. Because now when we say that, we're talking about the state of our heart. We're talking about what really matters to us. When Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, he pulled them back to that story, but he pulled them into something so much more. And he's saying, look, in your life, don't look back. When we look back, we set our hearts on what is behind instead of moving towards what is ahead. When we look back, we set our hearts on what is behind instead of moving towards what is ahead. And for some of you, if God has you at this crossroad moment, then maybe it's time for you to ask this question, am I looking back? Or even more to go, what is the state of my heart? Are you setting your heart on the things in the past or the things that God has in the future for you? What is the state of your heart? And I think, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would, would examine our hearts today because your heart is so essential. Here's why. Because our actions will eventually follow our hearts. Isn't that true? What's in your heart is eventually where you're going to go. This is what Jesus said. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, familiar passage. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you have to examine the state of your heart to see where is my heart? What is the state of my heart? And if you want proof of this, Luke chapter six, verse 45, Jesus says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What today is your heart full of? You know, I, I've, I've thought about this some. I wonder what was it like? What, what was the image of this? So you've got, you've got Lot and his family, right? And they're running out of Sodom and they're heading into this place of deliverance. And it says that she looked back. And I've always wondered, did she just kind of give one of these curious little glances and that was it? Like just in that moment, was that it? Did she just look over her shoulder? I remember going to Sunday school class and my Sunday school teacher being far too happy to use the flannel graph. Do you remember the flannel graph? And had the picture of Lot's wife and she took that off and popped that pile of salt up there. 
He thought it was so cool. Did it happen like that? I don't know, it might have. It might have happened in just a, in just a moment, that just maybe just, just that moment where she turned her head in an act of disobedience and she got zapped into salt. I happen to think there was more to it than that, though. In fact, go back and look at this. Verse, uh, Genesis chapter 19, verse 23. It says, by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. And think about this for a moment. That means that Lot and his daughters, because we know that they survived, had reached Zor. And the angel had said to them, look, I can't do what I need to do until you get where you need to go. So the judgment can't come until you're in a place of safety. So we know that Lot and his daughters were someplace safe before the fire began to fall. Agreed? We see that there? He says this, then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. How did that happen? It's interesting to think about. We know that God chose to bring that act of judgment. Was it supernatural or was it natural? We, we really can't quite know for sure. Maybe God just looked down, took his godly finger and went like that, right? Maybe that was it. Maybe that's how it happened. It's also interesting to know that that part of the world where, where Sodom was, in the ground in those places, there is deposits of natural tars and sulfur that release these noxious gases into the air. It's, it's, it's really interesting what's happening there. Also, in the ground in those places is an abundance of mineral salts, which include sodium, potash, magnesium, calcium chloride, bromide, and some people have speculated that an earthquake in that part of the world could have caused those minerals, those salts, and those gases to come together, which would naturally bring to an explosion that would send those things up in the air, and it could have been that a part of God's judgment, maybe even done in a natural way, was that an earthquake could cause an explosion like that that would rain down fire from heaven. Now, it's interesting. Maybe one way, maybe it happened another way. I kind of think that maybe it was both ways, that God set this thing naturally in motion with his judgment. It's an interesting thing. But to picture that as something, and it says that in the midst of that, as that judgment was coming, Lot's wife looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. I happen to think she didn't just, this is my take, I happen to think she didn't just glance over her shoulder. I think it was more than that. Because Lot and the girls made it to Zor. But somehow she found herself in this place where this fire and brimstone was falling. One commentator that I read said this. He said, because of the nature of that part of the world and the things that might have happened, and if you had an explosion like that, there wouldn't have been one pile of salt. There would have been places that had burned, and what you would have seen is salt-like deposits all over. There would have been many piles of salt around because of the destruction that would have happened. See, I have this tendency to think she didn't just glance over her shoulder. She kind of was resistant to even leave. She didn't just look back. She turned back. She started going in the wrong direction. And I don't know if she made it all the way to the city gates or if she was just kind of standing on the outskirts watching. We just know she was close enough to the destruction to taste it for herself. Because she could have moved forward. But instead she looked back and her heart drew her in that direction. It was a matter of her heart which causes me to encourage you. Looking back can be a dangerous thing. Be careful. Don't look back. 
So what I want to do is, is walk through today three lessons from Lot's wife. And we're going to look at this real quickly. As we look at this passage of scripture, I want to share with you three lessons from Lot's wife. And especially if you're in a crossroad moment in your life, this may be something that God wants to encourage you with today. Here's the first thing that I hope you'll see. Number one, when times are hard, don't look back. Number one, when times are hard, don't look back. If you go back to Luke chapter 17 and the reference that Jesus makes when he says, remember Lot's wife, remember he's talking to some people and he's saying to them, look, at some point you're gonna face difficult times. There's gonna come a time when life's not easy, when you're gonna have to make tough choices, when you're gonna have to do the thing that's not popular, when you're gonna find yourself in a hard situation. And in those times, remember Lot's wife. He's saying in those times, don't look back. And this is really good for us to hear because I don't know about you, but I know this to be true for me. It is easier to look back than to move forward. Isn't that true? Why is that? I don't know. Back there's safe. At the very least, it's familiar. Doesn't have as much risk to it. And oftentimes, going back there can be even, even kind of fun. It's exciting. Sometimes it's easier for me to go back than it is to move forward. Think of it for Lot's wife. Something drew her back. And in some way, in the midst of that chaos, because remember, when they're running from their homes, being led by the angels, the fire hasn't started falling yet. There's no sign of judgment. Remember, Jesus said, everybody's just going about, doing what they do. And they had to run in that moment. That was difficult and probably scary. It's always easier to look back than it is to move forward. And sometimes the reason we look back is, is because in those moments, we feel stuck. We feel like life's not moving forward or we're disappointed or we're frustrated and we thought we were doing the right thing, but we're not seeing the results that we wanted. And in those moments, it is easy to look back when you feel stuck. It's easy to turn your attention to what's behind you instead of moving ahead. Now, now, let's talk about this for just a minute because it's interesting. There are times when it's right to start over. Isn't that true? I mean, there's times when it's good for us to reboot and reset. In fact, isn't that what repentance is? When I come to God and I say, I repent, I'm gonna start over in this. So that's a, that's a biblical principle. It's a good thing. There's times when it's right for us to, to restart and to start over. How do you know when you're starting over and how do you know when you're turning back? We usually have to start over when we're in the midst of something that's not good or not healthy. If you are in the place and heading in the direction that you're supposed to go, that's when you don't look back. How do I know? If you are in God's will or in God's word, don't look back. If you're in a place where you know God has put me in this place, or you know that you're living life according to his word, then in those times, don't look back. Keep moving forward. Keep your trust and your hope in him even in those times when you feel stuck. Anybody ever felt stuck? And the easy thing when you're stuck, when you feel like you're not going anywhere, man, I get frustrated. You ever done this? You ever get, you ever get stuck in traffic and think I'm gonna do the right thing and turn around and go the other way? Usually takes me three times as long. Anybody else? You get frustrated when you get stuck. And sometimes we use being stuck as, as an excuse to go backwards. I've even seen people try to spiritualize this in some ways. They, they feel stuck or frustrated, so they think they're just gonna walk away from a job, and maybe even a job that God gave to them. I've even seen people try to rationalize their way out of a marriage. 
because they feel stuck. But look, if you're in God's will and you're in obedience to his word, then don't look back. Even when you're facing trial, you're facing persecution, even in those times when you're waiting and nobody likes to wait, I'd encourage you, even if you feel stuck, don't look back. That's why scripture says over and over again that God comes alongside of those who are weary and gives them strength. He helps us in those times when we're waiting and when we're stuck, we have to trust him. Don't look back. There's this interesting passage in Luke chapter nine, verse 62. There were these guys that came to Jesus and said, hey, look, we wanna be your disciples. We wanna follow you. And look at what he says to them. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Interesting statement, and if you think about the agricultural analogy that he uses here, think about it. If you stand behind a plow and you put your hands on the plow, what direction are you gonna go? Forward, right? You're not looking back, you're moving forward. But if you're looking back as you're doing that, how straight are your lines gonna be? I grew up, I grew up kind of out in the country a little bit. We had, I don't know, about an acre of, of property, and so when we would, a lot of grass that was out there, and so when it came time to mow the grass, we had a riding lawnmower, and it was my job to do it. And I loved it because before I could drive, I could ride the mower. I'd get on that mower, get my hands on that steering wheel and just feel the thrill of, I don't know, five, six miles per hour. It was awesome. Man, I'd go out there and I loved it. You may find this hard to believe, but at that, at that time in history, I had this little piece of technology called a Walkman. Does anybody remember the Walkman? Bless God, brother, you are just too young. This was this, was this incredible rectangle from Sony. It was, a, it was a game changer. And you would take your Walkman and you would push the button and the little compartment would open and you would put in something called a cassette tape. Has anyone ever not heard of a cassette tape? Okay, miraculous plastic. You would put that in there, close that thing up. I had the most stylish like earphones with foam on them. Do you remember those? And you put those bad boys on, and I would get settled into my lawnmower. I would turn on that thing. I'd put the gas in and get the motor run. And boom, boom, right? You know, it's like got rock and roll in my soul in the backyard. Man, just out there mowing the grass. And then you'd hear a song. And you'd be like, I want to hear that song again. Let me just say this. Kids these days have it way too easy. Can I get an amen? amen? I had to work for what I wanted back in the day. I didn't have no CD player. You just push back a track. We didn't do that. I didn't have a phone where you could just grab whatever music you wanted. If I wanted to hear a song again, you know what I had to do? I had to push rewind. Is anybody with me? This was tough. You had three seconds in between songs. I wanted to hear the beginning. I didn't want to hear the end of the next one. You had to get it just right. Man, and I had the Walkman down to an art. So you're out there, you're mowing the grass. I want to hear that song again. So you start working on rewinding this thing. And while you're working on rewinding this thing, you're driving the lawnmower like this, right? Because I got important things to do. I got rock and roll in my soul, right? Until you get done. And my dad would look at the backyard and say, what happened out there? It's not the way it's supposed to look. And I'd go, dad, I got rock and roll in my soul. He'd say, well, go mow the grass again. It's not supposed to look like that. It's not right. Why? Because I wasn't focused 
on where I was going. I wasn't paying attention. I was too inward focused to realize the importance and reality of what I was doing. Jesus says this, if anyone puts their hand to the plow and looks back, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. And the same is true, I know things are tough, I know times are difficult, I know you're not sure even about what direction your life is going, but understand this, you will never move straight ahead if you are always looking back. You will never move straight ahead if you're always looking back. I heard a, I heard a preacher uh, preaching this week, because that's what preachers do, and he was preaching. And um, he was telling this story about somebody who came to him and says, I'm just tired of starting over. You know, they kept trying this thing and then, and then they'd kind of give up and then they'd start again and then they'd give up and they'd start again and then they'd give up. And he says, I'm just tired of starting over. And, and I, 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 I thought it was interesting what this preacher said to him. And I know this sounds kind of a little glib and a little too simple, but I want you to hear this. Here's what he said. He said, you won't have to start over tomorrow if you do not stop today. Isn't that an interesting truth? You tired of starting over? Then don't look back. Keep moving forward. Even when times are difficult, don't look back. Which leads us to the second thing that I I would encourage you as a lesson from Lot's wife. Number two, when God brings deliverance, don't look back. When God brings deliverance, Don't look back. If you think about this, Lot was given this amazing escape from Sodom. Literally, angels come to them, grab the family by the hand because of God's mercy and bring them out of Sodom. It's really this pretty fascinating story if you think about it. But there was something in her heart that drew Lot's wife back to Sodom. I don't know what it was. Was it that that place was secure in the midst of the chaos of trying to run away for what seemed like no reason? Was it because all their stuff was there? It doesn't sound like they had time to grab the photo album, does it? Was it because that place just felt safe or was it because she liked Sodom a little too much? Was it because she enjoyed the living that was there and wasn't so sure she wanted to give it up? I mean, we could speculate about all kinds of reasons why her heart drew her back to Sodom. What's important is not that her heart drew her back to Sodom. What's important is the state of your heart. Because I think all of us have something, don't we? That in those times when God wants us to move forward, there's something that tries to rob our affections. It could be security. It could be sin could be fear. I think for all of us, if we're honest, there's something in our heart that can keep us from the deliverance that God has prepared right there in front of us. And here's the lesson, here's the warning from Lot's wife. The thing you think you may want may be the thing that does you in. The thing that you think you want. I don't know why she went back, but she went back and got close enough that the thing that she thought she wanted was the thing that did her in. What is the state of your heart? Because when we look back, we may miss the moment of God's deliverance. There was something in her heart that pulled her back. Something in her heart that drew her back to Sodom. And as a result, it brought destruction to her life. And I would even venture to guess it had a critical impact on the life of her family. You, you can do this on your own sometime, but the rest of Genesis chapter 19 is weird, 
Okay, let me just say, the, the whole chapter is kind of weird, but when you get further along, if you're familiar with this chapter, Genesis chapter 19, what happens next? It's just, it's just I don't even talk about it. It's weird, okay? And just bottom line, Mama, Mama Morton, right? She turns into a pillar of salt. And you have Lot and the girls who are back in Zor. I think chapter 19 would have ended differently if Mama had been there. But because she wasn't, there was this course of action that takes place that literally brings just these weird things about. And as a result, this nation is born who becomes an enemy of Israel. Her absence greatly affected things, even in a historical sense. Understand this, when we look back, those closest to us lose out. When we look back, it doesn't just affect us, it affects those closest to us as well. We have to make these decisions. So look inside your heart. This isn't just a physical thing. This is an emotion, this is a spiritual thing. Look inside your heart. What, what is your heart set on? Where is it that you're prone to look back? Let me, let me drop a, just a statement out here and then we'll talk about it a little bit. And, and it's this. What is revealed in the trend lines will eventually write the headlines. What is revealed in the trend lines will eventually write the headlines. To, to kind of give you an example of this, I wanna go back to everybody's favorite topic to talk about, the 2016 election. Weren't you just dying to have us talk about that today? Look, not a political statement. I, I just wanna make a, 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 a kind of a historical fact. I've heard analysts on both the conservative and the liberal side state these very same things. Here's what they've said, that in the days leading up to the election, if you looked at the headlines, there was this tendency to believe that the inauguration that's gonna happen here in a few days would be for a Democratic president. If you just looked at the headlines, there was this idea, there was kind of this certainty among a lot of the pundits, there's gonna be a Democrat in the White House. Would you agree to that? Like that was just, it's just a fact. What happened though, is that when many people were reading the headlines, they weren't watching the trend lines. Because the trend lines, especially in some of the key battleground states, showed that people were beginning to change in their thoughts, that there was frustration with some people, that even some of the polls couldn't be trusted. And what happened was there were these trend lines that were being ignored because of the headlines, but eventually those trend lines changed the headline to a Republican that's gonna be inaugurated, right? Not a political statement, a statement of fact. So if people maybe had paid more attention to the trend lines, the headlines would have been different because the trend lines, what you don't always even see or what's under the surface is exactly what's eventually gonna write the headlines. What are the trend lines in your life? Because your headlines could be awesome. Your headline could say, hey everybody, look at me. Life's great, things are good, I love God and I'm headed in the right direction. But what's really happening in your heart? What's the trend line? What direction are you going? Because ultimately what's going on in your heart, those trends where your affections are set, what's trying to rob your affections are gonna determine what your headline reads. So my question for you to consider, how will your headline read? What is it that's gonna be written in your life? What's gonna be said about you? How are you gonna be affected in this? Lot's wife had the opportunity to be delivered, but the problem was there was an affection in her heart, there was a trend in her heart that pulled her away from deliverance and brought her far too close to Sodom. And this scares me a little bit because for some of you, you've even got yourself thinking that everything's good between you and God until that moment comes until you hit a crossroad and you've got to decide what you're going to do. 
And I know we could argue this theologically, and, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I want to say, don't, don't try to break this down into some kind of doctrinal statement. Just see the truth in this passage. The saved can look back so far that they find themselves counted among the lost. This is exactly what happened to Lot's wife. She was to be delivered, but because she was looking back at what her heart was drawing her towards, she found herself in a place where she experienced loss and destruction. That's why I encourage you, don't look back. If things are tough, don't look back. God's put deliverance right out there in front of you. Don't look back. Here's just one more thing I would encourage you with today. Number three, when God gives opportunity, don't look back. When God gives opportunity, don't look back. I mean, we focus so much on the destruction that happened to Lot's wife, the way she ended up a pillar of salt, but play it forward instead in a different way. Think of what she missed out on. She had the opportunity to start over in a whole new life. Would it have been difficult? Absolutely, it would have been difficult. But the excitement of that, the example of that, how many of us wouldn't at times say, boy, I'd love to start over. What God was giving to them was a clean slate and a fresh opportunity. It was right there in front of them. And if God had delivered them from Sodom, don't you think he would have provided for them in the days ahead, but instead she looked back and missed out on an incredible opportunity. She only made it so far, and as you can tell, it wasn't far enough to get everything that God had for her. I'm going to guess that part of it for her had to be the chaos. Can you imagine two angels showing up and saying, hey, you've got to leave everything and go? And in that moment, the emotion, the hustle, the the panic, the uncertainty, and that chaos sets in. Have you noticed that usually big opportunities come with a lot of panic and stress and chaos? They come with things that pull on us, uncertainty in those moments. It's difficult to take those steps. But if you don't live with the chaos, if you're not willing to say, I'll move through this stress, you will miss out on the opportunity of what's ahead. God has opportunity out there. And sometimes in the midst of that whirlwind, we're tempted to look back when instead what God wants for us to do is to move forward and get the opportunity that he has out there for us. You miss out on the future when you linger looking at the past. You will miss out on the future if you linger looking at the past. That's why I encourage you, don't Look back. That's why Paul says, Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I, and I try to think about, like, what, what story could I tell at the end of this message that would somehow inspire you? Especially if you're at a, if you're at a crossroad moment 
If you're at a place where you're trying to decide what, what the future has, and I just I felt like there was this word of encouragement, don't look back, and I thought, what story could I tell? And I thought, what biblical story would be a good example? Maybe Abraham, because Abraham went somewhere without even knowing where he was going, or maybe David. What would have been like if David had taken one look at Goliath and said, I think I'll go home? How about Daniel, when he found out he couldn't pray? What if he'd said, no, nah, lion's den, I just won't pray? I mean, you see this all throughout the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. How many times did they choose to press on, even through difficulty? If you want to think about it, what about Jesus? The Garden of Gethsemane was no piece of cake, right? He had to carry a cross. What if he'd looked back? And then I thought, what if if I could tell you a story from, from maybe even our collective shared American history that would inspire us not to look back? What would have happened if George Washington had looked back? What if Abraham Lincoln had given up? What if Thomas Edison said, oh, I'll never figure out this light bulb thing. We'd all be sitting here in the dark. That'd be no fun. Every time you watch a, a sporting event, they're telling stories of how athletes have overcome these lives of hardship and challenge. There's all these stories that are out there. And then it struck me, there's one story you really care about. That's yours. What's your story? It's at the end of the day, it's the only one that matters. What are you going to do? You, you may be in a place where things are really tough right now. Don't look back. You might be in a place where God's deliverance is right out there in front of you, but, but Sodom's calling. There's something that's, that's trying to rob the affections of your heart. I even talked to somebody after the first service today who said, right now, I'm just, I'm questioning my faith. I'm questioning where God is. If you're in that place, let me tell you, don't look back. For some of you, God's got things in front of you for 2017 that if you knew what they were, the blessing of it, the goodness of it, it would blow your mind. But there may be chaos for a while. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. I'm just saying, don't look back. Look, this is why scripture says over and over again, do not fear, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you, because God is encouraging you that no matter where you are right now, he's challenging you. Do not look back. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it would be simple. He just says, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. And if you're in a crossroad moment in your life right now, I believe that God intended for that word to be an encouragement to you. So I'm gonna ask you to stand just just right where you are, if you would please. And I really do believe that there's times when a spiritual moment requires a physical response. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird or strange. I just know that, that it might even just be for one person, but for some of you, you're at that crossroad moment and you know that God has spoken a word of encouragement to you today and you need to respond in some way. So I'm gonna ask you to do the thing that just makes sense. If you're here and you know you need to respond to this spiritual moment in a physical way, I'm gonna ask you not to look back, but just to put one foot in front of the other and to come down here and stand at this altar. And we're gonna pray together here in just a moment. But you know you're at a crossroad moment and God is speaking to your heart hard, then don't, don't let uh, your fear or uncomfortableness talk you out of it. I'm going to ask you just to come and stand here at the front, and we're going to pray together in just a minute. Pastor John's going to lead us in this song. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to pray a prayer, and as soon as I say amen in this prayer, if you know God's speaking to your heart, don't hesitate. I'm going to ask you to come. Father, in this moment, you've been speaking to our hearts. We thank you for the, the story you recorded of a nameless person to inspire us today. Today we look for hope from you. 
Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you know you need to respond, would you just step out of your seat and come and find a place here to stand as we sing this song together? And I will trust you, God. And I will trust you. And I will trust you, God. I will trust you. down here at the front I know that's not an easy walk to make sometimes and I, I want to do something um, I, just, I just feel kind of unique Pastor John I'm going to ask if we sing that again and maybe you're here and you know what it's like to have been at a crossroad moment you know what it's like to be in those places where you feel like you want to look back but you say God I'm going to press ahead and you've watched and seen God bring his favor and his help to your life in those times when you trusted him anybody ever been there Yes, folks, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to sing this song again. And if you feel in your heart like maybe God's encouraging you to come and stand behind somebody that's here, you don't have to know their story, but I just encourage you to come and maybe put a hand on somebody's shoulder to pray with somebody. Sometimes there's a powerful thing. You don't even have to know the person, but just to say, I'm standing there with you. If you feel God leading in your heart to come and stand, put a hand on somebody's shoulder and pray with them. As Pastor John sings this again, and as we sing this again, would you come and would you encourage someone just by your presence and your prayers if God's put that in your heart? Let's sing this together. Thank you, Lord. And I will trust you, God. I will trust you. I will trust you, God. Trust you. I live my eyes to find your loving gaze. You melt my every fear in your embrace. I'll trust you. Lord, that is our prayer. Because when we choose not to look back, we're putting our trust and our confidence in you. Lord, I, I pray for those that, that are here today or know that you're speaking to their heart today, that are tired, things are tough right now. Lord, would you encourage them that you're right there with them, that you're walking beside them, that you will be their strength. And even though it might be easier, that they're going to choose to not look back. 
Lord, for the one who, who maybe has seen the deliverance you have ahead, but there's these things in their heart that keep tugging on them, pulling them back, challenging these, these choices and decisions. I ask today, God, that you would let them know a certainty from you. God, that the trend lines that you are grafting today are ones, Lord, that are going to write the headlines of hope and favor and deliverance in their life as we choose not to look back and trust in you. Father, some of us have opportunities that are ahead. Lord, I pray for the one who's looking at the year ahead and it comes with excitement, but it also comes with the chaos and the anticipation of what's ahead. God, would you give them favor? God, would you give them strength? I pray that, Lord, as they put their trust in you, they'd be able to put one foot in front of the other. Take that next step and trust that you'll be there. Trust that you'll lead them. Lord, help us to not look back. Lord, thanks for your word that encourages us. Lord, I pray for those standing here today that when the tendency might come to walk away from this altar and be discouraged or be challenged or when the enemy might come and say that you're not really there, God, would you remind them that you are the God who never leaves us or forsakes us. Help us to move forward without looking back as we trust in you. Lord, as we go from here today, we ask that you'd go with us. Send us out with your special favor, your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.